0: Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, hallelujah! hallelujah. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hebrews chapter number twelve. I am aware of the time, and I am going to, with the very best of my ability, try to stay within that time frame and still deliver what the Lord has given me tonight. Hebrews chapter number twelve. Hallelujah. I have loved what God has been doing in this sanctuary over these last few services. I said it at the end of Sunday night service, and I said it in the middle of, of altar service, so I want to I say it again. If I, am, if I am too loud for you, and I offend you with that, please forgive me if I'm too intense with, with how I deliver what I preach, I, I, I want you to know that I, I deeply and sincerely apologize. If, if you mistake the faces that I make as that of anger, please, please don't take it like that. It's not like that at all. But I do not apologize for the passion. I step into this pulpit every time that I do or wherever I'm at and I preach every message that I preach as though it is the last one that I will ever get to preach. My pastor told me, as a very, very young man, you preach every message like it's your last, but not just like it's your last. You preach it to those people like it's the last one they're ever going to hear. So there are people that gather into this place on a Sunday or a Sunday morning, Sunday night a Wednesday night and I look into people's eyes and I remember that saying so therefore it burns in me this gospel is so glorious we can't take it lightly we can't take it for granted it's not our place to take it for granted it's it's not our place as a a minister of the gospel it's not our place as a saint to just come in and darken the doors and sit on pews we have been afforded such an opportunity hallelujah as saints of the most high god the old song says oh yes oh yes i'm a child of the king his royal blood now flows through my veins oh hallelujah Hallelujah! turn to somebody and tell them you're a child of the king i don't care if you're old and white-headed or not it doesn't matter to me you're a child of the king hallelujah 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 I'm glad he's been around a whole lot longer than I have. I'm glad he knows it all. You ever met a know-it-all? Anybody ever, I hear a lot of laughter, so surely. You catch my wife on the right day, she's liable to say that I'm a know-it-all. Hallelujah. But he is a know-it-all. He knows right where we're at. He knows right where we're living. Not only is he a know-it-all, he's an understand-it-all. And that's what I'm more thankful for than anything. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He knows exactly what you're going through. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so he sent me tonight with a word for somebody. Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number one. When you have it, say amen. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Thankful to this wonderful pastoral family, brother and sister Bushnell, for allowing me and my wife and my children to be with you for this month. And thank you, thank you so much for the kindness that you've, show my wife and my my children. I've said it a hundred times over. You could smack me in the face, and if you treat my kids right and my kids love you, I'll do anything you want. Hallelujah. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, I want to read this next portion of Scripture. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint, In your minds, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. I'm going to back up and read verse number 2 again. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm going to preach to you for a few moments when God takes the pen. When God takes the pen. Precious Savior, you know, first and foremost, amongst all gathered into this place tonight, that I need you. Hallelujah. Oh, I need your anointing, God, not upon your word, but upon these lips of clay. I pray, God, that you would move upon this finite mind. Hallelujah. Move, God, upon the hearts of men. Hallelujah. Prepare, God, prepare each heart to receive what your word says, Lord. Let it be as a seed that's planted by the water. Hallelujah. We expect fruit, God, from what you're planting in this place tonight. We expect God's faith to begin to grow, and we give you the glory for it and the honor for it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. When God takes the pen, it is all the way back in the very beginning of the book of Genesis that we would read that God steps out of heaven into the murky darkness and there he begins to create. It was his very word that the terra firma on which we stand was created. It was his very word that created the animals that we glean from and we enjoy. The very plants of the field were planted there, placed there by the word of God, his spoken word. Time and time again, we read in Genesis chapter number one, and God said, and God said, and God said. Uh, Time tonight will not allow me to foray into Genesis and just tear it apart piece by piece and hand it to you. But I can tell you this, that one instance that we find in Genesis, the first time that we ever see the handiwork of God was not upon the animals and it was not upon the plants. It was not when he separated the land from the seas. It was not when he told the water that could only go thus far. But the first time that we see the hand of God is when he plugged his hand there Underneath that water and he drew from it just a little bit of clay. And he began with his hands to form mankind. I want you to know that humanity is special to him. I want you to know that that's why, hallelujah, that I believe in respecting the earth in which we live. But there is no higher form outside of God than humanity. It's safe to say tonight in the house of of the Lord that I do love animals, but I I want you to know I don't believe that they have a place above humanity. You're not going to find me out somewhere in a forest hugging a tree. I believe that the animals were given for us to survive. I believe when Eden was closed up, that those plants were given up for us to survive. I believe if you dig back deep enough and you find out exactly what the leaves of these plants that were given for us were for, that you would find possible healing in these leaves. My grandma, her mother would, as I was a very young boy, she would give leaves and she would give certain kind of barks to people if they have, uh, from trees to certain kind of people if they had certain things. And in the beginning, I, I thought, man, this lady's crazy. But then my grandma would do things and uh, I'd get a rash and she'd break off a leaf or something like that and of, a, of a plant she had around and she'd rub it on that rash and it wouldn't be very long, it'd be gone. God gave us these things. It is the handiwork of God, though, that is displayed in the life of Adam. As he placed his hands upon Adam, we find for the first time that God got his hands dirty. We find for the first time that in the shaping and the molding and the making and the forming of mankind that he was involved in the process. I want you to know that God has never ceased to be involved in your life. He is always there. Always as close Has the mention of his name? He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's never turned his back on you. He listens to you. He hasn't dumped his ear to you. He listens for your voice. We find from Adam, where God literally placed His hands upon that life. We scurry a little bit farther. We find ourselves there. In the midst of Pharaoh's court. It was Pharaoh's court that we find that it was not the people of God. But rather it was the magicians of Egypt. When those lice began to fall upon Egypt. The plagues began to visit all of Egypt. And Pharaoh would ask of the magicians. Can you do it? And the magicians would say we can't do this. this. This has to be the finger of God. The figure of God is first mentioned here, not by his people, but rather it's recognized by the world. I want you to know today that no matter what you think, the world recognizes who he truly is. The world recognizes the hand of God. They recognize the workings of God. I don't care how hard-hearted they are when they open up the newspapers. They turn on their television sets. They listen to the radio driving down the car, down the road. I want you to know that somewhere along there, there has to be a ticking inside of somebody's heart that says, there's got to be something out there. There's got to be something higher. There has to be something in control of this universe in which we live. Next time that we see the finger of God, Moses is up on top of the mountain. It was there on top of that mountain that we seen him just in close communication with God. Moses didn't walk up the side of the mountain because he thought it was a good thing to do. Moses wasn't out. On a hike somewhere. God called Moses up the side of the mountain. When God calls at us we better listen. When he calls us to move we ought to pay close attention. And here it was that God would call Moses up to the top of the mountain. And there he would watch as the finger of God plugs itself into the side of the mountain there. And he begins to write The Ten Commandments. He stands there in awe as the holy hand of God begins to write. We only know the ten, but there were several others. Here was the hand of God plugged into the side of that mountain. And in the midst of all of this, Moses takes these Ten Commandments that were written by the finger of God. And walking down the side of the mountain, his anger is stirred when he hears the people worshiping a golden calf. He throws down those Ten Commandments and breaks those Ten Commandments. The next time, hallelujah, we see those commandments being written again. It's Moses with a hammer and a chisel working on those Ten Commandments. I want you to know the finger of God is perfect. When God writes something, hallelujah, when God wrote in the Old Testament, it stood for something. When God wrote in the New Testament, it stood for something. He is the ultimate writer, He is the authoritative author. I want you to know when you talk about Him, He writes best selling books. I know that it was a spirit that moved upon men of old that they would write these words of life. But that spirit, hallelujah, that moved upon man to write this this. this great book that we read was none other, hallelujah, than the finger of God. He wrote words of life. He wrote Words of peace. He wrote words of grace. He wrote words of love. He wrote words of judgment. He wrote words of conviction. He wrote words of exaltation. It's all in the book. Stories that we can draw from. Stories that would teach us. Stories that would talk to us from wherever we approach life. You can't dream up or think up a story that you can't open up your Bible and begin to read and find something in there that can talk to your heart, that can minister to you, that can encourage you, that could build you up. Why? Because the finger of God is complete. We get to Hebrews and we read in Hebrews that he is the author And he is the finisher of our faith. He doesn't just start a book. He finishes it. He doesn't just get a a whim one day and start on page one. And then never come back to it. He finishes what he starts. He that begun a good work in you. He's able to accomplish it. He's able to finish it. I want you to know in the house of God tonight. That when God takes the pen to a life. He can rewrite an ending to somebody's life. I want you to know that when he steps into the scene of your life. No matter how chaotic it is. No matter how much hell has been turned loose in your life. When God takes the pen. He can write it any way that he wants to write it. He can take your sickness and write it out of existence. Or he can take your sickness and he can bring glory to the kingdom through it. That's because the pen is in the hand of God. It was there there that day. Well, Jesus was in conversation with some Pharisees. They brought her to him. Through this woman taken in the very act of adultery at the feet of Jesus. It was there as they gathered around with their harsh words and their judgmental attitudes that they began to recite some of those very same commandments written by the finger of God. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It was there that we see Him drawing all the way back and looking in history at the finger of God. He didn't pay them much attention. He didn't give them eye contact. He just bent over, the scripture says, and he just began to write in the sand. I don't know why he was riding in the sand. One commentator would tell me that it was windy where he was from, and the wind would come, and it would blow away what was written there in the sand. And so it demonstrated to us the grace and the mercy of God. And another would talk about the rains in that area, how they would come and they would wash away. And you would never be able to, to know or to read for very long what was written there in the sand. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what he wrote. I don't know why he'd done it. But I do know that he took his finger and he plugged it there in the sand and he began to write something in the sand. I, I do believe in the midst of everything going on, he was pulling upon some of those same commandments that he had handed down thousands of years before. He was drawing on them when he looked up and he said, I wrote the law, I can do whatever I want to do with the law. If you are going to have mercy, you first must have a law. If you are if you're going to extend mercy to somebody, I can't beat my son over something that he didn't even know is a law in our house. I come in and his room's not clean. I can't take a belt to him if he don't know he's supposed to clean his room. But if you tell my son 15 times, You'll have to tell him 30. Anybody got kids like that? Clean your room. Clean your room. Clean your room. Somewhere along there, you've got to just give him a gentle nudge, a little reminder why he's got to clean his room. It's a law in our house. It's a rule in our house that he's got to clean his room. Here was a law that had been established for so many years. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And here was Jesus faced with the laws that was written by his own finger. And he's standing there, and here's the woman, and here's the men. Here's the woman taken in the very act. It wasn't just hearsay, it wasn't just a rumor, it wasn't in the mouth of two or three witnesses, it was a fact that this had happened. And here was a man standing with stones in hand, ready to take the life of this woman. And Jesus has the perfect thing to say. And since he is the author and the finisher of our faith, he just simply lets his eyes rise up to meet the eyes of her accusers. And, she, and he just simply says, he that be without sin cast the first stone. Let it rip. Let it go. He didn't. Look him eye to eye after that. The scripture says he again stooped down and continued to write in the sand. I don't know if he was sitting there writing the sins of those Pharisees and the Sadducees and the accusers. I don't know if they saw their name and beneath them some of the sins that they had been committing. I don't know if that happened. I, I, I would like to think in the midst of all of this, oh, there was a woman that was sitting there, scared to death, shaking her head, knowing, knowing what was coming. She knew what was ahead for her. She knew the law. But she had never experienced mercy. The church is so good at knowing the law. Oh, but we've got to learn how to demonstrate the mercy of God. And here... Here she sat. She, she lifted up those bloody eyes. And she looked as one by one beginning at the eldest to walk away. One by one by one by one. She knew them. She knew them by name. She knew their families. She knew their past. She knew where they'd been it's it's very 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 true that there was a chance that she had visited some of the homes of some of these men and here she watches them as they walk away you have to understand that that day that there were two groups of people that received the mercy of god it wasn't just the woman that received the mercy of god but those men received the mercy of God. They responded to the mercy that was shown even though their hearts were far from him. They responded to a window of opportunity when Jesus took the pen of a little woman's life and he began that day to rewrite her life. One commentator would say that it was Mary Magdalene. I don't know if it was or not but I can tell you in the midst of it there in front of him was one happy woman. But she still she still, after all of those accusers she had one more to face and she knew the purity of his heart. She knew the intent of his heart. She knew the love that was in his eyes. She knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that this was the Christ. She she knew that he was more than just simply a rabbi. That he was a Messiah she had heard about him she knew about him and that day she decided I'll take the pen of my life and I'll give it to him I'll hand him the pen and I'll trust my life to his hand And he took the pen, and he that day began to rewrite her life. He looked at her, and he said, woman, where are those thine accusers?" She looked back at him. She said, they're gone. They're gone. They're not here anymore. In other words, she realized he wasn't there to accuse. He wasn't there to condemn. He wasn't there to look down his nose at her. He wasn't there to point his finger at her. He was there to write with his finger her life knew. And afresh. And when you give him the pen of your life, when you let him write your life you see we all know what's best for our life we all think we we know the purpose we all think that we've got it figured out but it, it's not always what god wants for us i, I had a plan for my life i had a, a purpose for my life but god took the pen of my life and he began to write it in a different direction I've got to tell you, there's certain chapters of the book of my life that I don't like. There's chapters that I'd like to tear out, but they're a part of the book. And there's portions of our lives that we would like. To pull out, we would like, like Thomas Jefferson's Bible, to take a penknife and cut out sections because we don't want somebody to know about that portion of our life. We we don't want to relive that section of our life. But I've come to tell somebody in the house of the Lord tonight: it's just a chapter. Let God write the book. It's a chapter. Turn to somebody and say, "It's just a chapter." i don 't know if many people read books anymore, to be honest with you. Anybody just take an old paper book and just read it? I got a library when I come down from Indiana probably just about wrap around a, the men 's prayer room there. I love books. I like taking my my hands and putting them on paper and flipping through the through the pages. I like to read I had books scattered throughout my house to wherever I I stopped, I'd I'd have a, I'd have a bent over page where I could, if i was sitting down, I just, I just read. If my wife was doing something else, I just, I just read. I love, I love to read. There's one thing that I've learned in reading to really judge a book. You've got to read the whole thing. You just can't read portions and bits and sections. That janitor sat there in that old gymnasium, as those deep theologians, those young seminary students, came in for P.E. They were young in university, but they had come in there that day to get some exercise. They saw the old janitor sitting over in the corner reading through his Bible. They thought, well, we'll just play around a little bit. We'll just go see how much he truly knows. So they went over and began to ask him what it is that you're reading. And he said, I'm reading the book of Revelation. They thought, well, there's many different takes, many different views on Revelations. We could take all kinds of different views. So what, what do you think that you're reading? Well, I'm reading the end of the book, the old janitor said. Well, have you read the other part? Oh, several times through. Well, why did you pick Revelation? He said, well, it's one of my favorite books. Well, can you sum up Revelation for us? And they began to snicker and laugh at one another and elbow one another. He said, fellas, let me tell you very easy. Revelation is this, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. When you give him the pen to your life, Jesus wins. He wins in your life. Listen to me. He wins in your life. You, you, can, you can have people all of your life reminding you about certain sections and chapters in the book. But can I challenge you to give him the pen to your life until the end. And when it's all said and done. See if God does not write a happy ending. See if he doesn't win in the end. That little feller. That little feller sat up in his room. And he was, he was reading. A, a comic book and his dad was downstairs and and he was he was sitting there and he heard his his son upstairs reading and he kept saying you're going to get it 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 that little little boy was up there just reading away and his dad was downstairs at the newspaper and he folded it up and he set it down and he walked up those stairs and he he listened outside that door and his son would read a little bit and then he would say oh you're gonna get it oh you're gonna get it and he would read a little bit and his dad would snicker as that boy would would stop reading and he would lay that comic book down and he'd laugh and he'd say oh you're gonna get it And so he couldn't stand it any longer. He burst in the door and he said, son, what are you doing? He goes, I'm reading this comic book. He said, what's it about? He said, it's a couple of cowboys. There's a bad one and there's a good one. He said, well, tell me, why do you keep saying you're going to get it? He goes, because I read the back of the book. (laughs) I've read the back of the book, and I can tell you, hallelujah, that we win. I can tell you whatever you endure, hallelujah, is going to be worth it. I can tell you every mile is going to be worth it. I can tell you every heartache that you face is going to be worth it. Put the pen in the hand of God and let him write your life anew and afresh. Stand with me in the house of the Lord. I've been just about three or four minutes over. Please forgive me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I come to challenge somebody tonight. I come to ask you if you're willing, hallelujah, to give God the pen. Because when you give Him the pen, you're giving Him all of your cares. You're giving Him all of your worries. You're giving Him your doubts. You're giving Him your fear. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. When you give Him the pen, you're turning your life over to Him. In other words, you don't have to walk out with some of those same fears That you walked into. Oh my well, my my health isn't what it should be. Give him the pin and walk out in the faith of the Holy Ghost. Well, my family's not where they need to be. Come down. Give him the pen to your life and walk out. Put your family in his hands. Well, I can't, I can't pay my bills, and I'm working. I'm burning the candle at both ends. Come on, giving the pen. Let him write it for you. He does a perfect job. He's not just the author, but he's a finisher. Oh, turn to somebody and tell them he's not just the author, he's the finisher of our faith. Now, here's the good part. Are you ready for this? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. When it talks about the finisher, it's talking about the one that assembles a great army for one final battle. One final war, but when it talks about looking unto Jesus, it's not just talking about what you're looking at, but what you are turning away from. So when I compel you from this pulpit tonight to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, I don't want you to just look to Jesus, but I want you to turn away from some things. I want you to turn away from some of the things that you've been looking at and you've been staring in the face. I want you to turn away from some of the things that's been haunting you and been hurting you and look to Jesus. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! I'm preaching to people, Hallelujah, that are exactly that—your people. And so, therefore, I know tonight in this place, there's people that walked in with hurts. There are people that walked into this place, Hallelujah, with 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 unforgiveness in your heart. There's people that walked into this place with all kinds of anguish. There's people that walked into this place tonight, and you have thoughts, Hallelujah, about yourself that are not godly. You, know, there's people that have walked into the house of the Lord. Tonight tonight and you struggle with who you are in light of who you wanted to be there's people in the house of the lord tonight that you walked into this place and fear gripped your very life and i beg of you tonight i'm beckon to you oh in the house of the lord to take the pin and put it back in god's hands he's here for you ma'am he's here to tell you it don't have to end like this this isn't the way that your life should be written he's here sir to reassure you that you're right on pace he's not here To accuse you? No, 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 no. He's here to say neither do I condemn you. Go and don't don't look back. Don't don't go back to that. Don't. Are you hearing me? Looking unto Jesus. Don't look back. Mm. Don't go back to that old person. Oh, there's an altar open right now to somebody Hallelujah, that wants to take the pen and to put it in his hands. That wants to take the pen and say, here you go, God. You do it so much better than I do it. I've tried to write it my own way. Oh, it's full of mistakes. It's full of failures. It's full of problems. But I know that you do all things good. Let me tell you, About what happens when he writes words That God be true in every man A liar But your word is forever Settled in heaven Heaven and earth shall pass away But my word I'm talking about when he writes it Shall stand forever Thy word Have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee, O oh God. Listen to me. Look to Him tonight. Look to Him, somebody. This altar's open. Somebody, look to Him. He desires to be the author. He desires to be the finisher of your faith. He don't want to simply write the book. He wants to finish it well. I've run my course. I finished the race. Paul would say, I've done everything that I know to do. Somebody look to him today. An altar's open. I know your mommy not used to it on a Wednesday night, but God's calling at somebody. He's drawing at some heart right now. He wants a pin back. He wants a pin back. Give it to him. Put it in his hands. They're going to begin to sing as they do so. I beckon to somebody to respond to the word of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah.